Welcome. This is the Way Home Podcast. A podcast built around conversations on church, community, and culture. And now, here's Dan Darling. Well, welcome to the Way Home Podcast. This is Dan Darling. Well, a few weeks ago, I had the privilege of participating in the March for Life in Washington, D.C. This is an annual event where thousands of people come to D.C. and march for the sanctity of human life. And uh, while we were there, had a chance to meet up with our good friends from Focus on the Family, Kelly Rosati and some others who particularly work in their pro-life, sanctity of life uh, division. And one of the things that they're very, very excited about is a movie that's coming out. It's going to be released March 3rd through the 5th limited release in theaters nationwide. It's called The Dropbox. This is an incredible movie. I encourage you to go see it. It's about this South Korean pastor who took it upon himself to save these babies that were left in South Korea, left on the streets, and took them in and established these orphanages. And it's a really powerful movie that underscores the sanctity of human life, that all humans were created in the image of God. And so today, I have a chance to talk to the filmmaker who filmed this movie. And what's interesting about Brian, who you're going to meet in a little bit, is that Brian Ivey, who's the founder of Kindred Image, the filmmaking company that he started, he was not a Christian when he started making this movie. He just read a story, the Los Angeles Times, and thought, this is an interesting angle. And so he investigated it. Well, in the process of making the movie, he became a Christian. And so it's a very interesting story, not only about this movie and this pastor in South Korea, but also about Brian. I had a chance to meet Brian about a year ago. Uh, We were both speakers at a pro-life pregnancy center banquet in Naples, Florida, and uh, have gotten to know him a little bit and I'm really just proud of of what he's doing and the journey he's made. And I think this movie is going to really have a tremendous impact. If you want more information about the movie, uh, go to my website. I will have the links there in the show notes if you click on the podcast page. I encourage you to go see that. Also, I wanted to make you aware of something that we're working on together with Focus on the Family. We're not quite finished with all the details yet, but we're very excited. Next January in 2016, we're going to have a conference in Washington, D.C. called the Evangelicals for Life. And uh, we're going to celebrate the dignity of human life and kind of what that means when it comes to the problem of abortion, but also all kinds of other issues as well. So there's information on my website there as well, but you can remember the website, evangelicals.life. But right now, let's talk to my friend, Brian Ivey. Brian, good to have you on the podcast. Hey, Dan. Thanks so much for having me. It's an honor. So, Brian, I want to just tell our listeners a little bit about who you are before we get into talking about this great movie, Dropbox. Can you talk a little bit about your interest in filmmaking? Was this something that you were always interested in as a kid and kind of knew you were going to do, or is it something that happened later in life? Uh, Maybe explain how you kind of found your calling this way. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I was one of those kids who never really understood when parents would ask you, you know, what do you want to do? And kids would say, I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't one of those kids. I was the kid who said, I want to be a filmmaker. I want to be a director. And uh, I knew that since I was a little kid. Uh, I wanted to make movies since I was nine years old. Wow. And uh, the way that kind of started was in my neighborhood when I would knock on doors and I would wrangle together all the neighborhood kids and we'd make movies during the summertime. Because in Southern California, at least in uh, in America, you can you have three months <laughs> of time to do absolutely nothing. 
um, if you wanted to, or you could maybe make uh, a few movies like Lord of the Rings, James Bond, or Harry Potter spinoffs or something, <laughs> which is what I did. And so, um, but for me, movies were larger than life, and I wanted to be a part of that. And so I would make movies with my friends, and usually it would be something to do with a battle, because uh, that was really not what I saw in my everyday life, but I wanted to be a part of a battle. Mm-hmm. And so I'd get ambushed with my best friends in the thickets of our of our manicured, uh, gated community, and uh, and kind of reach out for something more adventurous. And uh, that's kind of where it all began. So you went to USC, School mm-hmm. of Cinematic Arts, and studied filmmaking. From what I understand from your testimony, you were not a, a believer then, right? Did you have any idea that you'd be making a movie about, you know, similar to what the Dropbox is and how, how it would impact you? <laughs> no way. Um, not my plan at all. Yeah, I became a Christian while making the Dropbox. Yeah, which is um, that's remarkable. Which is a funny, which is a funny thing to me. I think for two reasons. Number one, because I thought I was a Christian, uh-huh. you know, but because I didn't smoke cigarettes and I watched Fox News with my mom, you know, <laughs> I, I I thought I was. And uh, secondly, movies were God to me. You know, everybody everybody's living for something. Everybody's got something at the center of their life. And for me, it was film. It was movies. These larger than life things that I thought. Um, would would put me on the ground floor of the meaning of life and would give me my the happiness that I felt like I was entitled to. So yeah, that was me. So how did you how did you get from where you were uh, going to USC studying uh, filmmaking from that point to the point where you're you got connected with the story of 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 Dropbox? Sure. Well, I read an article in the Los Angeles Times on June twentieth, two thousand eleven. And that article was called South Korean Pastor Tends an Unwanted Flock. And it was all about this pastor in Korea who had built a mailbox for abandoned babies, which has to date received over 640 children. Mm. Um, at the time, it was far fewer, far fewer back in 2011. I think it was about 38. So, uh, But for me, um, he lived in a neighborhood, and I lived in a neighborhood, and yet he seemed to be in a battle. And um, he had drawn a line in the sand and said, no one dies here. And so I wanted to go figure out what that was all about. And I also felt like if I don't do anything, everyone's going to forget about this story. And I didn't want that to happen. So you decided you were going to make a film about this Mm -hmm. and you decided to go travel to Seoul. Was that kind of a leap of faith, that first trip there, not kind of knowing what you were going to find and, you know, what, what would happen with this? Can you explain a little bit about that? Yeah, of course. I mean, I didn't really, I definitely didn't have a relationship with God, you know, but I, I, I believe that things happen for a reason, which is something I think a lot of people believe. So it was a leap of faith. I thought, well, this can't be, this can't be random. I mean, mm-hmm. I come across this article and I, I sent an email out to the pastor in Korea and he actually got back to me in a Google translated email. I basically said, dear Brian, you know, I don't know what it means to make a documentary film, but you can come live with me if you want. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so that's what that was the second most important invitation of my life, and so I followed that out there with ten of my friends in December 2011. It was a complete leap of faith. I mean, the whole movie was made on faith because I was blind; I couldn't speak the language, and so I, I was just hoping they were saying the right things the whole time. So when you got there, did you know right away that this was going to be a really powerful documentary? Did it take you some time, a few trips, to kind of think that through? Or what, what were your first thoughts yeah. when you got there? Sure. I mean, my first thoughts when I got there were, this is going to be easy because the story is so compelling on its own merit. All I have to do is kind of show up. But that's actually, it wasn't at all the case because um, 
not only did I not have any control over the the language and really the responses of the the interview subjects, whether it was the pastor or somebody else, but I just felt like we were running around the whole country searching for something and we were only finding it. You know, my original intentions were to talk about Korean culture and kind of this perfectionistic bent of the culture and how this pastor receiving children with disabilities in his box was sort of rebellious and and uh, brave. But every time we left the house, you know, his poor little house in this poor neighborhood, I felt like nobody had anything interesting to say. And uh, I felt like God or whoever it was up there was calling us to just stay at his house because there was enough there and ordinary, you know, extraordinary in the ordinary. And um, that's kind of where we ended up camping out. So take me from, okay, you're going to make this movie, you get over there to the point where you put your faith in Christ. Talk about that. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, this is the first time I was out of the country except for a cruise to Mexico, which doesn't count. And uh, so I was going over there with, it, it was an adventure, you know, but I was seeing things I'd never seen before, like real pain, you know. Um, mm-hmm. you know, none of my grandparents had even passed away at that point. I mean, I, I just had never really experienced anything hard like that. And seeing kids, um, abandoned and, and hearing stories about kids dying. I mean, it was different. And, and I lived on the floor with the kids for many of the nights and I slept there with them, got sick when they got sick and were was just in their world. And I felt a lot of pity for them. But then when I came back to the States, I heard a sermon about Jesus Christ becoming sin, you know, taking mm-hmm. our place. And I'd heard about him before, and I mean, everybody's heard about him before. He's the most famous person ever, but um, but he didn't seem to have anything to do with me directly. But when I heard about him becoming sin, you know, the Bible says he made him who knew no sin, so Jesus Christ didn't sin, right? To become sin, so that through him we might become the righteousness of God. Basically, in layman's terms, all that meant was he became me so that I could become him. And... um when I heard about this swap, you know, that he, he took my place on the cross, I thought, well, why would I have to go to the cross? I don't have any sin, you know, I'm not broken. And God started to show me all of it. And uh, on the same computer that I was listening to the sermon on, I had been addicted to pornography for a long time. You know, I was in a really abusive relationship. I had really been, I had a huge anger issue with people, just using people, screaming at people. And all this stuff started to get revealed. And I realized, hey, maybe I'm just as broken as any of these kids, you know, and my brokenness is a lot of my own mistakes, you know, not just a disability, but, um, I felt crippled by it and I hated myself for all of my sin. And yet, um, I felt known for the first time inside and out and, uh, beautifully known. And in that place, when God could actually see everything, when I let him see everything, I still felt loved. And it was the love that didn't just forgive me, but also wanted me in my darkest place that, um, that took away the shame and, and made me a new man. And so now that's who I am. That's an incredible. That, that's just an incredible story. And and share with us a little bit about the story of Dropbox and about Pastor Lee. You know, obviously, what drew you into the story, but why you believe that a wide audience needs to hear this story. Totally, it's a really good question because you know it's very easy for people to get kind of stuck on the hook of the film, which is that there's a box for babies, and and of course that's a haunting idea and, and, a, and a scary idea and, and a very compelling one. In, as far as human rights and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But really, it's got, Pastor Lee was living proof of a loving God to me. You know, he he showed me what God's love is like. And it wasn't just, because people think love is just affection, but it's not, you know. I mean, that goes in, you know, ebbs and flows in anyone's life. Mm-hmm. Um, but sacrifice, you know, sacrificial love is what everybody truly needs. So Pastor Lee shows a picture of that, in that he's given everything 
and he's willing to die for these kids. And also it just shows that these kids are worth it to him. I mean, they, that, I think the reason why people get so compelled by the trailer and why 7 million people from around the world have seen the documentary trailer, which is very unprecedented, by the way, um, is because it, it gives people this truth that we all matter. Um, we actually matter. I uh, matter enough to die for, and that's, we know that's true as Christians, but I think people need to hear that because a lot of people feel like they don't matter, and uh, that's the last thing I want people to feel. So um, that's what's important to me. It shows that people matter. Every single life, born and unborn, um, matters, especially to God, and um, that God is is love, <laughs> and it's sacrificial love. You know, it strikes me that this film is not just a, a pro-life movie, which it is in the sense that it's here's one man who so values the dignity of human life. He's so compelled by the gospel to to rescue lives in peril that he's opening up his heart and his life to these abandoned orphans in the streets of, of Seoul, South Korea. But yeah. it also seems like it's it's also a movie that compels people to care for orphans on the street. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the, correct me if I'm wrong, that's one of the problems that sometimes we don't see, right? We don't see the orphans because we're, we're not looking. Sure. Um, and so maybe talk a little bit about the conditions in South Korea that allow this to happen, that orphans are abandoned. Yeah. Well, in Korea, it's sort of a uh, different, it's a different world than it is in the States and it's not because, uh, you know, Americans are better. It's just a different place in the, in the timeline of their nation, given what happened um, in the war and how devastated that nation was. And so really for Korea, there's a shame culture. Um, and it's true as many Asian cultures. Um, again, not everyone, but there is a culture of shame around uh, mothers having children out of wedlock. And so what that means for mothers is that oftentimes they are they're definitely stigmatized, but they're also um, demonized by the culture um, and by employers and principals. And oftentimes girls are kicked out of school because they're pregnant. They're kicked out of their jobs. They're not able to get them by other employers because they're pregnant or they've had a child out of one month. They're a single mother. Mm. And so oftentimes it's presented with this impossible situation for a mom, which will either result in an abortion or an abandonment of a child. But really what, you know, in this pro-life issue and this debate, and also as far as orphan care is, we have to build up our society and our culture of life so that mothers don't find themselves in these situations and don't feel like they need to abandon their children. And so the, the box is an alternative, and, and it's really um, a way for these mothers to still choose a better life for their children, even if it is as an orphan for a time or as an adoptive child mm-hmm. um, of, a, of another family because they but they're so demonized by the rest of the culture. And so that's kind of what they're dealing with. And um, as far as orphan care, yeah, Pastor Lee takes these kids in and either adopts them or just cares for them as a legal guardian and kind of sets an example for all of us. It's such a powerful and gripping and emotional movie and so very excited that you know, that this story is being told, partnering with Focus on the Family, your company, Kindred Image, and Focus on the Family to get this distributed. So we want to encourage uh, people to go see it. It's a special theatrical release, right? March 3rd through the 5th. And yeah, so I um, want to see as many people go see this movie. Maybe you could talk a little bit about the filmmaking process for Christians, for believers, why, how films can impact a culture in that way. 
Yeah, definitely can. I mean, film's hard, man. It's really hard. Making a movie is um, not as glamorous as people make it seem. The behind-the-scenes featurettes it's just not like that. I mean, it can be complete misery a lot of the time because you are... Um, it's the closest I've ever been to a battle in that you're you're always awake, um, especially a documentary. That's the hardest you can thing you can do as far as a filmmaker because you're trying to find the story in the wild. It's not going to be something where it's scripted, and that's hard enough to get all the lines from the actors and get that all done. But a doc trying to keep the whole movie in your head at all times it's very taxing, um, and just filming and your head's on a swivel and the whole thing. So. Filmmaking is hard, um, and I wouldn't go into it for the experience of being a filmmaker. I'd go into it because you've got no other choice, <laughs> and that's mm-hmm. what God's called you to do, because it's not going to be easy. And as far as the impact of film, um, man, it can be, in, in our day and age, when the whole system's already there, you know, um, a movie can go to the whole world in a second. You know, as soon as it's made, it can just be blasted out all over the world in a ton of different languages immediately. Um, especially as we even move away from these, like, from discs, and we go into just VOD, and all of a sudden, everybody around the world can see something. Um, movies go where the law can't, you know? There mm-hmm. are countries that are um, have laws against abortion or have stricter laws, but people still find a way um, to have an abortion or to, to go through that process because we need to reach individual hearts on an individual basis. So God's always been about individual conquest. And so for me, I think movies um, create an opportunity for an individual person to be affected at the deepest level so that no matter what the law says, um, that they'll they'll choose this life, for example, in this film. So I'm hoping that movies can be used for that purpose and that movies, movies walk by sight, not by faith. You know, they show us what life could be like if we did, made this decision, you know, because movies are a vicarious emotional experience. And so it puts people in a story just like um, Nathan did with David you know, and um, allows them to see things in a different way. And that's why they're powerful. Well, Brian, I really appreciate you joining me. I'm really excited about this movie. And I really want to encourage everyone to go see this March 3rd through the 5th special theatrical event. Go to thedropboxfilm.com and uh, find a theater near you. Brian, thanks for joining us. Thanks for the great work you're doing. Hey, Dan. Thank you. God bless you. Well, I want to thank Brian Ivey for joining me on the podcast today. What a great conversation and, a, and just a great guy. Really encourage you to go see the movie Dropbox uh, March 3rd through the 5th. Get your tickets now. I, I hear it's it's selling out in, in a lot of theaters nationwide. A very powerful movie on the sanctity of human life. If you want more information about it, you can go to my website, danieldarling.com and click on the show notes. We'll have information for the movie there. Also, we'll have information for this conference we're working on with Focus on the Family for January of 2016, Evangelicals for Life. The website is evangelicals.life, but all that information will be on my website. I encourage you to go there. But for now, thank you for joining us on the Way Home Podcast. You've been listening to The Way Home Podcast. For show notes, more information about Dan or the ERLC, please visit danieldarling.com. This episode has been brought to you by the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention. Thanks for listening.